This is The Right Approach. I'm J.W. Judge, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Barbara Hensky. This is a podcast for writers to learn more about the craft of writing as we explore a new topic every week. And this week, we are talking about what to do after you finish that first draft. So I know that we have both recently finished drafts of different novels. Um, For me, I think even more recently, because I just finished my fourth one and spent most of December doing several rounds of editing. And so let's just jump right in with the topic of you have the first draft. Uh, I know we've talked with Lyndon, your Mm -hmm. book coach who helps you throughout your process. And we even talked about how I rely on a friend of mine who works through that similar process with me as we're going along to, to help make sure everything is working as we get through that drafting process. Um, So I won't be surprised if our methods here aren't totally (laughs) are pretty aligned with what we do um, afterwards, but we haven't talked about this, so I don't know what you do. Um, All right. When you finish that first draft, um, what's the next thing you do? Yeah. So just to back up a little bit, because now I'm on my 20 or 21st book. So I evolved my process. When I was first writing, I would send my manuscript to, to a developmental editor who was Lyndon Gross. And over time, I realized it would be a lot more efficient for me um, if I just worked with her as a writing coach so that by the time I'm done with the first draft, I have a book that really has been developmental edited. And so that is much more efficient because I would always get the same feedback that I need to pump up um, the romance and pump up um, some of the bad guys plots. You know, I would just write two easy, happy books. Well, nobody, I need more conflict. So instead of having to go back through and hammer that in, it was more efficient to have it from the get-go. What I've added in the last couple of years to that before I send anything to Lyndon is I run it through pro writing aid. So that cleans up a whole lot of stuff. So now I finish a first draft it's been developmental edited in essence, as we've gone along, it's been through pro writing aid. I printed out on, I enlarged the font and enlarged, do a double space, small mar- or big margins on each side. So I got not so much on the page, um, lots of white space to mark in. I will read it aloud to myself and mark my edits in and then word process those edits and send it off to a professional copy line editor. And I've found in the last four or five books, that's all I have to do is just one read aloud edit because I'm using pro writing aid and and I've gotten better. But before, even when I was writing with Lyndon as a writing coach, I would read it aloud to myself two, three, four times and word process before I send it to line editing. Um, and now, honest to God, I don't have to. So, or or I think I don't have to. And one gauge of that is for a 70,000 word book, my copy line editor says that you, you that, that is priced 
they price their services building into it um, that they will make a thousand comments at the copy line edit, thousand changes. And my work usually comes back with six to 700. So I'm handing them a pretty good product, which means fortunately when I send it in, um, editors are anxious, are willing to maybe move me up in the queue if I need it, or they can slot me in if they have a week or two because they, they know they're not going to face an unholy mess of a manuscript that's going to take hours and hours. And then after that, I proofread it. So that's, yeah. Or I have it proofread. I don't proofread it. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's, it's important for us to mention that as a part of your job, and you talked about this on previous episodes in your law practice, you did a ton of writing yes, uh, and you yes. had training in writing. Um, yes, absolutely. I do a ton of writing. Like one of my most enjoyable parts of law practice is writing motions. And so, and people will bring me into cases to do that. And so yeah. more than most people and most professions, we are doing yes. writing. And so that muscle is already well engaged and the storytelling stuff is different you still have to learn that but the mechanics of writing and that ability to produce words is is inherent in the work that we do and so that muscle is already well exercised so i think that that may That's change what is normal for, yes. for most folks um because it's because my writing also tends to be fairly clean and and part of that is I also used to teach English and history uh, and did a master's in history so even before law <laughs> there was just a lot of writing and a lot of reading um, and and those things help like that's just a part of it it helps you know, um, that's a good point. we probably both of us in our professional careers, wrote, I would guess, at least a quarter million words. Oh, yeah. Easy in, in our day jobs. Yeah. And the sentences had to make sense and had to lead from one to the other. And you have to know how to make a paragraph break and not just grammar and and syntax, but actual some writing skills. So that's a very good point. So when I when I am writing, We've talked about I do the effectively developmental editing throughout, but there are also days that I'm just, if I get stuck somewhere in the book and can't figure out like what's, what's just the next thing that happens or what I need to write next. One of the things that I will do is go back and just edit some of lightly edit some mm -hmm. of the prior yeah. days or weeks work just to help remember where the story is. It engages, I am, you know, interacting with it a little bit differently. Um, and so usually by the time I actually finish that first draft for most of the book, it's really like one and a half drafts already because I've, I've touched it a second time and made some changes. Um, but when I finish that first draft, the first thing that I do is print it out. Um, double-sided, double-spaced, 
change the font so it looks a little bit different. You talked about that too. Um, but I think this this will probably be different for people who are, you know, I'm 40. I grew, I first got a PC in the house like in junior high. So I think this is probably going to change significantly for people who are coming up younger than me even. But having that paper copy in my hand, I even do it for the stuff at work. I, I see it differently and I don't know if it's a different medium or whatever, but that's just my process is to take a red pen and just bleed all over that thing. Um, and that's what that next draft looks like for me is taking that printed out draft and going through, you know, every sentence, making sure the story parts of it work. Cause I always find where I have repeated things unnecessarily or used parts of scenes that are too similar. Once you've read the whole thing and you're like, Oh, I used that earlier or later, you know? And so figuring all that stuff out, um, adding some depth to it where it needs it. A lot of times when I'm in the drafting process, if there's just something that I can't quite figure out and I can't think of a specific example, I will just put in brackets, you know, like, add to this or change X knowing that I'm going to have to come back to it later. And so as I'm going through that editing process, I can figure out what I need to add in there that, that will finish it. Um, and so then, you know, that's the first part I go back into, I write in Scrivener, but all this stuff at this point happens in word. Mm -hmm. So I'll go back into word and it's, <laughs> Sometimes I will incorporate the changes that I made on the paper. And sometimes I will continue, those will continue to evolve as I put them back into that, you know, word processor manuscript. Oh, yeah. Um, I can, yeah. It's after that that I use Pro Writing Aid and go through just the whole thing. And that How takes. Do you do that? Do you do sections or do you ignore their snippy little comments about oh you're putting in too big a chunk and it's blowing our mind do you just how do you do that in previous books i have opened the pro writing aid app itself and just open chunks within it um, yeah. but this time i just ignored the pop-up that's like, Hey, this is going to take forever because it's a huge, you know, 68,000 word document. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Then I just never closed it. I saved it every, you know, once in a while, I just never closed it. So it didn't have to go through and think about all those things again. And so I just left that document open and saved it as I went after. And then you added it in that, in the pro writing. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you lose some of your formatting. Well, in nope, sorry, crazy. I wasn't clear. That's what I'd done before. This time I just did it all in Word and used the Pro okay. Writing Aid plugin in Word. Okay, okay, got it. Got it, got it. And then I did some, and so I'll make all those changes. At that point, it's in pretty good shape. Um, I still have proofreading. I will, I will go through it again to make sure I'm content with everything. And then I will have it proofread something I have done differently this time because this story came out 
it was such a different writing experience than the three before it. Um, mm-hmm. I was figuring this a lot of this out as I went. And yeah. so I think it's in really good shape now, but something I did differently this time than I've done before is I'm using beta readers and sent advanced yeah. copies to them. Yeah. And it's three people I know um, one of whom has read everything else that I've read and given me feedback on it before. Um, and some of the feedback from that particular person has been, we have very similar, go to similar kinds of churches. We have similar worldviews. Um, and so it's been, you know, on a very personal level, like, you know, if I'm somebody in your church, are you okay with this? Um, and so I've sent it to them and a couple of other people who are also lawyers, one of whom has owned a publishing company just to, with an, with instructions of, I want to know if there's parts that there's anything confusing about it. If there's parts that you find not interesting, or if there's Mm -hmm. something about it, that's just not working for you. Like, I know there's going to be some typos. I'm not worried about that. I still got that ahead of us, but these are really the three things that I'm looking for. Like, are there parts that are boring, confusing, or don't work? If there are, let me know. Yeah. I haven't done that before. Um, and so we'll see if Mm -hmm. that ends up being helpful or not. Um, after I get that back from them is when I'll go through it the final time and then get it proofread. Mm -hmm. And that's evolved. Go ahead. That's it. That's an efficient and robust process. Yeah. So at this point I've already gone through it three, four times, you know, with the mid writing, editing, and then that, that written draft and implementing the written draft. And so it's, I've seen it several times. I haven't done the reading out loud thing. I know that word can do that now. And I am considering sitting and listening word um, just because word usage is really important to me um, and making sure I don't repeat words. And I try to be really cognizant of that, even as I'm writing that first draft, which I know that it's not super helpful to pay attention to that all the time, but I can't not pay attention to it. Um, And so making sure I'm not using the same words or phrases too many times, I know that hearing that will give me a better opportunity to discover it than just reading it. Yeah. I was just going to mention that because some people are, very um you know just swear by having a screen reader read it to them and i'm kind of considering that one thing that i do find is after i get it all formatted and ready to go i have an advanced review group of about maybe 175 people and i send it to them and they always find stuff now mind you i've probably spent five grand on editing, including professional proofreading. And on my Emily, latest Emily book there, I couldn't believe that nobody found it. None of the professional editors. I used the a wrong name of a character in a scene. This character wasn't even in the scene and the ARC people found it. So I'm always so grateful. They always find, you know, a handful of things that 
I can change. Um, one thing neither of us talked about was writers groups. I I belong to writers organizations, but I'm not in a writers group to critique as I'm writing. And I don't think you do that either. I don't either. And I think there can be a lot of value in that if you have a helpful writing group. Um, but I think that if you don't have a helpful writing group, those things can also be really destructive, um, you know, at a confidence level and competence level. Um, and so, but I've never really had a, I belong to some writers groups, you know, like online communities or, you know, the Alliance of Independence Authors, but I've never had either locally or online, a writer's group that I've participated in. Yeah, I'm I'm suspicious as well, because I think you need to have, you, you need to know the talent level, frankly, of the other writers in your group and, and their knowledge within your genre. So that and may it, not. I will say that I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this in a podcast before, but, you know, there is a book by Diana Glyer, G-L-Y-E-R, called Bandersnatch. And it is about C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and their group of writers that met together for decades and yeah. critiqued each other's writing and were very instrumental in in, in the, the books that came out of those and how those books looked in the shape that they took. Um, you know, Brandon Sanderson and and Dan Wells, who we had on, have been in and out of writing groups for years. And, you know, they have their place and they have their value, um, but it has never been a part of my process. I don't see that changing because not that I'm not willing to evolve my process, but I don't see that being beneficial to my particular process. You know, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, I think Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers were in a group. Okay, holy cow! If I could be in a group with with those folks, yeah. But um, that isn't. And the other thing I think writers groups do is just keep people constantly churning their work and editing and editing. And at some point, you do have to say, "I'm done," and it needs to go out. And I can tell, I don't like to do readings of my works because whenever I'm reading aloud from my work, I always think, oh boy, (laughs) I wish I had a red pencil in my hand because I want to change something. You know, the bottom line is you're you're never done. You are never going to be totally satisfied. So at some point you just have to call it. Yeah, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yes. Um, because there are always things you can change. Um, but, you know, and I, have you ever, do you use deadlines, like personal deadlines for your, that you set for yourself to be done with things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something I've done. Um, but, you know, I could see that as a way of, if you're somebody who has difficulty letting go of a project, you do everything to get it done by that day and you just choose, okay, now we're done and it's time to move on to the next thing. Yeah. I, 
yes, I do use deadlines and not that I can't extend them, but I've started now putting my books up for pre-order and, but I'm not going to put up a pre-order unless the book really is done or just, just so close. Cause I have friends who have gotten in trouble with Amazon extending their pre-order date. You can do it for 30 days, sometimes for another 30, but then you lose your pre-order privileges yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, casual business with fairies was not done when I set it for pre-order. I was done with the drafting though, but yeah. I went ahead and yeah. set it further out than I really wanted to by setting it in May, knowing that it's absolutely going to be done by then. Like undoubtedly it will be done by then. There's not going to be any hesitation. Well, and then you can do, you know, lots of advanced marketing. Are you on Goodreads? I assume you're on yes. Goodreads. Yeah. So you can do the quotes from there, weekly quotes, and you can start doing all of that stuff that we do. Yeah, that's not some I haven't utilized Goodread very well. Um, I I, I'm there. I'm on it. I haven't used it for giveaways or anything like that. I have seen somebody mention, I forget where I saw this the other day, but I thought this was a really good idea. You can mark your own book on your to read list once it goes up on Goodreads and do yes. updates about it. And I thought that was really clever. Yeah. You know, Alessandra Torre, who's another lawyer, we should have her on the podcast as actually, um, she runs Inker's Con and a, a whole big business end of, of writing. But she has a really good free webinar on um, how she uses Goodreads. And that's why. And one of the things she says is also post, be the first person to review your own book. And don't leave a star review. No, but just put some little fun factoids about writing the book. Your thing about, you know, your conversation with your friend, fellow parent about, you know, we don't yeah. mess with fairies and how that. I find that fascinating. Readers will find that fascinating. And that would be in your first comment on that book. I get a lot of traction out of those. I would never have thought to leave a review of my book. No, that's really smart. I like that because what I do is at the end of all of my novels, I included an author's note that just gives some of the backstory about where this idea came from and the writing of it and including some of that in that, I mean, I'm always yeah. interested in the backstory about books. Um, yeah. I think that's really smart. And I need to put an author note. In. You need to go on then on, good, on your first three and put all that information as a comment. Yeah. I'm as gonna, a review, sorry. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, we should leave off uh, with a super helpful, practical piece of advice there. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, this will be. Uh, the end of this episode about what to do after you finish your first novel and then uh we'll see what's next so it's good talking to you again it is good talking to you